Amen. Praise the Lord. Y'all glad to be here this morning? I'm glad you're here. Let's turn to number 17 in your blue hymnal, please. Number 17. If you can, stand with me. Number 17. <clears throat> Come, thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy praise. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount I'm fixed upon it, Mount of thy redeeming love. Here I raise mine Ebenezer, Hither by thy help I'm come, And I hope by thy good pleasure Safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, Wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Amen. Brother Gary, if you would, open us in prayer. Amen. Please do be seated. It is good to see everyone here this morning. Glad you all are here. And uh, we took our survey. It was 50-50 on those who wanted snow and those who didn't. So pray for those. It's supposed to be a narrow band, so hopefully those of you who don't want it will be on the <laughs> band that doesn't get it. But anyhow, um, uh, a couple of announcements. is uh, We were going to start... Uh, our Bible study here today, and there's a few folks missing that it's real important for me to have in class. So we're going to, we'll start it next week, but I do have the book, and uh, we've got 10 copies, and so if we could maybe limit it to one to a house, and um, uh, this is just kind of going to be our textbook uh, for the class. 
Uh, I promise you it'll be a blessing or an, an encouragement to anybody who wants to be a Sunday school teacher, do devotions just for your own family or for just for your own learning. Everybody's invited. We'd love to have you. And uh, we'll be doing it next week at 4.30 downstairs uh, before the evening services on Sunday night. And so if you'd like to get ahead on the reading, I'd love for people to read at least that first introduction area and uh, get you started. And I'll tell you what it says. It basically says this. It says, if you're not reading your Bible, how can you study your Bible? And so let me encourage you. Let's get into our Bibles. Find a text. Find some place. I promise you this. You could take your Bible and leaf through it this way, this way, this way, and this way. Wherever you land, there's going to be something good there. Now, I think you ought to be a little more purposeful than that. But uh, if that's where you are, then do that. But let's get into the Word of God as a group. And uh, can't help but uh, hopefully propagate the revival that hopefully we've started this past week. Let me do remind you is that uh, a, a number, all the services are on um, sermonaudio.com. We've already had quite a few views on them. We had one message, 12 people were watching as uh, we, and that, who knows how many were watching in those 12. And then uh, we had one, his first message Sunday morning, the last time I looked, had already had 120 views. And so... Uh, just uh, recommend them. Uh, I promise you this, you should watch all of them because really he, he covered just the whole area. And, uh, and and so it was just a tremendous blessing. And so I would encourage you to go back and see them if you can. And I think uh, Abigail is trying to get them in audio form for us. Uh, uh, and so we'll try to, if anybody needs like a CD or uh, what's they call flash drives, we'll try to be able to get you one of those. So please do talk to Abby about that. Is that okay? Say that. All right. We're going to receive our morning tithes and offerings if our men will come to receive those. And Brother Wade, if you'd ask the Lord's blessing, please. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we're excited to be in your house this morning, Lord, to hear your word, Lord. We're just so thankful for revival this week, Lord. Yes. Just thank our spirit, Lord. Lord, just pray for Pastor, Lord, just give him what he needs today, Lord. Yes. Just that you bless these offerings that we're about to receive, Lord. Lord, we just want to continue. Pray for this country, Lord. Continue to pray for Israel. Continue to pray for our troops that are fighting for us, Lord. And Lord, we're just so grateful for the things you do in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Blue handles again, if you would, and let's go to number 234, 234. Sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. 
Let me more of their beauty see, wonderful words of life, words of life and beauty, teach me faith and duty, beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Beautiful words, wonderful words of life. Christ the Blessed One gives to all wonderful words of life. Sinners list to the loving call wonderful words of life. All so freely given, wooing us to heaven. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words. Sweetly echo the gospel call, wonderful words of life. Offer pardon and peace to all, wonderful words of life. Jesus, only Savior, sanctify forever. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Amen. Praise the Lord. Our young folks are going to come and sing for us now. Here we go.
Amen. Challenge with that song is not to join in with them while they're singing, right? I, uh, what a tremendous song. I know that's a favorite for a lot of people. Thank you for doing that. We're going to be in John chapter 9 this morning. So if you could, John chapter 9. I appreciate Brother Taylor and having a stand while we read our text. That is scriptural. It's from Nehemiah chapter 8. And, uh, and so if you could, let's all, let's all stand. I, I think it's good for us to do that. In John chapter 9, beginning verse 1, the Bible says, And Jesus passed by and saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam which is by interpretation sent. And he went his way, therefore, and washed, and came seeing. Father, we love you, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to sing your praises. We thank you that it is well with our soul, if our soul is right with you. And Father, I just pray that you'd be with the preaching of the word, be with the understanding, the application. And Father, we just uh, pray that if there's one here that doesn't know you, that today would be a day of spiritual sight, a day of salvation. Father, we just pray that we'd be encouraged and challenged by the words here today. We love you and we thank you now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Please do be seated. I'd love to read all the way down to verse 41, but let's just say this uh, healing sparks a great controversy. The Pharisees and the Jews, if you will, the leaders of the temple uh, become, if you will, concerned uh, because Jesus has again, uh, you know, uh, healed on a Sabbath day and and if you will, they're all upset about these things. And, and uh, you know, if you've noticed the last couple of weeks, at least when I was preaching, um, the last few chapters, Jesus and the Pharisees and the leaders have been putting each other on trial, okay? And uh, if you will, they started out putting Jesus on trial. You can't be the Messiah because. And, and then uh, last week he put them on trial, basically saying, you know, who are you to judge? And found out that none of them were, were good enough or righteous judges. And so if you will, that's exactly what's going on here again. And so if you will, this, this chapter actually deals with uh, dealing with the evidence. Whenever you have a trial, uh, both sides will take and give the evidence. Here's, here's what we believe proves our point. And then the other side will say, this is what we believe proves our point. And if you will, you continually give evidence. See, the Pharisees, if you will, are going to be the jurors in this case. Look at verse 13, just so you can see it. The Bible says they brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. Okay, the guy who was blind. The Bible says that it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. And he said unto them, He put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed, and I do see. By the way, this notice how matter-of-fact he is. <laughs> he says, Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. 
Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. It's amazing how two people, two different groups of people can take the same facts and come to two completely different conclusions. This man is a sinner. He healed on the Sabbath day. And of course, later in the text, they said, this man has to be sent from God. Why? Because from the history of the world, from the beginning of the world, it's never been seen that, God, that, that somebody could get sight from the blind. And, and so if you will, the, the one said, no, he, he didn't keep the Sabbath. And the other said, he gave a blind man sight. Come on. And so, if you will, it's how people take and they deal with the evidence. You know, we will see that God uses evidence to bring men to a saving faith. You know, the Bible says it this way. It says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so, if you will, the Bible talks about, I'm going to give you all the evidence that you need to take and to make a good decision concerning the person of Jesus Christ. And by the way, every human being of all time has to make a decision concerning Christ. Before he was born, he had to know about the promises and the anticipation that he's coming. But because we're on the other side, we know that he came and we've heard his words. And if you will, we're without excuse. Why? Because we have the ability to know who Jesus is, and we can make our, if you will, choice about who he is. Notice, if you will, a couple things about evidence, because that's what we're looking at here, that they were looking at evidence, okay? And we'll talk about that a little bit further down here. But look at verse 3. And the first thing that we see here is God's evidence is given on purpose. Notice what the Bible says. They asked the question, they said, who sinned? Was it his sin or his parents' sin that he was born blind? And Jesus, in verse 3, it says, neither. He was born blind so that I might work the works of God. And, and so, if you will, literally he's saying the whole purpose for this man's life is that he would be born blind and today I could give him sight. I want you to think about that. You know, a lot of times we take, in, and I don't know about you, but I'll be honest with you, I've always been a little sensitive of, of people that had different gifts or more gifts than me. I was always jealous of people who were really athletic, to be quite honest with you, I'm kind of clumsy. And uh, uh, people were smarter than me, or, or the worst of all, the good-looking, smart athletes hated those guys. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And, and, and so, if you will... Think about this. This man, his whole life has been born blind. And I wonder if those same questions ran through his mind. What did I do? What did my parents do? And by the way, it's a, there's a possibility that it could have been because of sin. But God says in this case, no, this man was born for this purpose that I might give him sight on this day. And, and, and so, if you will, God illustrates this beautifully, if you will, in a sense, in the book of Ruth. Uh, go there, uh, keep yourself here, and you should be familiar with this, but just in case you're not, go to the book of Ruth, chapter 2. In the book of Ruth, chapter 2, it's a beautiful picture of uh, God sa saving, really, a condemned woman. She is a Moabite woman. The Bible says that Moabites were not to come into the congregation of Israel unto the tenth generation. I mean, there was a condemn condemnation and a curse uh, on this woman, and, and if you will, uh, you, you might say, see, God wants to save some and, and doesn't want to save others. No, God wants to save everybody. God wants to save everybody, so much so that he begins working in the life of Ruth, okay? And, and if you will, uh, he's basically trying to teach her to trust him and, 
and, and if you will, uh, to redeem her, and he's going to redeem her by the end of the book, uh, if you will. By the way, if you're saved, you're redeemed. You've been bought back. You've been purchased. And if you will, God is trying to win Ruth's mind about his provision and his ability to care. And, uh, and so the Bible talks about that she had to, because she was a poor person, the only way for her to feed herself was to go and to glean. Now, I don't know about you, but the harvest is fun. I mean, you ever go to an apple tree and they're just full of good apples? Just any one you want to pick, you know? Anybody here ever been to California to the orange trees? If you've never seen the orange trees in California, it's mind-boggling because they're just full of these ripe, beautiful oranges. And, and people who own the orchards quite often say, go eat all you want. Why? Because we're going to drop them on the ground if you don't eat. I mean, they're just that abundant, you know? And, and if you will, oh, man, it's fun just picking fruit. And, oh, but that's not the way it is with gleaners. Gleaners are hoping to find a little patch of wheat, uh, not weeds, <laughs> Uh, wheat, that's what I meant to say, wheat, amen, and, and, and they'll come and, and they'll do all they can to get those few and then save that grain and save that grain and save that grain. Look at that term in verse 3 because uh, Boaz took and he said, she's going to be gleaning in our fields and I want you to leave her handfuls of purpose. Another way of understanding that is I want you to leave big piles of food for her on purpose. Meaning this, I want her to come back. I want her to know that, uh, that, that eventually they would have a relationship. Boaz was going to become her kinsman redeemer, amen. And, and she took, and, 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 and whenever she took, and she came home, and I will tell you, Naomi expected her to come back with some wheat. And she came back with wheat. And Naomi's going... What in the world? What, what happened? Tell me the whole story. Well, I, as my hap was, I'm sorry. I love that expression. As my hap, it just happened that I went to, by the way, how many of y'all realize Jesus didn't just happen on this blind guy? And we know this because the Bible says he was born for the purpose of God restoring his sight this day. Amen. And so if you will, God intentionally takes and gives us evidence about who he is, his truths, his watch care, his provision. Amen. And as it just seems like we're happening along and God says, no, I left that there for you on purpose. I want you to think about this. God, when God says he's not willing that any should perish, do you all realize the only way to get saved is by faith? And so God, in a sense, looks at each of us as an individual and says, what do you need to believe? Because I'll give it to you. What do you need to believe? Because I'm going to leave it on purpose so that you might eventually allow me to be your redeemer. See, the Bible says in verse 3, excuse me, that she just happened to end up at the right place. In verse 16, the Bible says this. It says uh, uh, that God miraculously provided to get her attention. That's what I was telling you. The Bible says it in verse 16, and let fall also some of the handfuls on purpose for her. Sorry, I gave you the wrong verse a minute ago. And then in verse 20, it brought her into a relationship with her redeemer. Look what the Bible says in verse 20. It says, And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord. Listen, she understood. Y'all understand? Listen, she didn't just happen onto a field, and she didn't just happen to come home with a basket full of food. She realized that they had been provided for by a kinsman redeemer. She says, You go back tomorrow. Amen. And by the way, uh, Boaz said the same thing. So, I mean, the, the Lord uh, was in this thing from the beginning. 
Now notice this uh, back in our text, if you will. Go back to our text, John chapter 9. Look at verse 3 again. And the Bible tells us very clearly that this was the same reason that this man was born blind. God, in a sense, had provided for their ability to believe. Now, again, who would I say was the jury? And if you will, ultimately we'll see that the jury was the Pharisees themselves. Okay? The Pharisees themselves. And you're going to see, ultimately, that one side of the Pharisees said, he's got to be God. And the other side, of course, said, no, he's a sinner because he... Okay? There's a division there. Meaning, same evidence, okay, different conclusions. All right? Now, why was this man born blind? He said, well, that doesn't seem fair. In verse 4 and 5, the Bible says that he must work the works of God while it is day. And it is day, verse 5, so long as he is in the world. Y'all understand that? You know what he's saying? I've got a limited amount of time to take and to make my case. And God's not willing that any should perish. And so this person might think, it's not fair, I was born this way. And God said, listen, I needed you. By the way, how many of y'all think this, this man, because he did come to faith, okay, now, they don't always come to faith when he heals them. <laughs> this man came to faith, okay? And uh, if you will, how many of y'all think maybe, just maybe, he's going to be rewarded handsomely in heaven? Amen. If you will, we need to have that eternal mindset. Brother Taylor touched on that. Amen. And so in verses 4 and 5, he says very clearly, uh, if you will, I needed to provide this evidence, and I've only got a short time to do it. That's why it happened this way in your life. By the way, in comparison to eternity, how long is our life? The Bible says it's a vapor that appeareth for a moment and vanisheth away. I want you to think about this in the perspective of time. He's going to think all those years I suffered not being able to see. It's nothing compared to the blessings I've been able to see ever since. Amen. And, and so if you will. Uh, Jesus had a short time to make his case. The evidence had to be convincing. Look what the Bible says in verse 32. In verse 32, the Bible says this, it says, Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? You know, we live in a, a world today that would love to take your faith away because of our technology. And what I mean by that is, do you know, realize people can be born deaf today and, and someday they can hear? You guys have heard of cochlear implants and everything like that? And uh, they actually are starting to have, I don't know any other term, but to say it this way, bionic eyes. They literally are starting to implant eyes now. Uh, as a matter of fact, that's, that's one of the newest big technology things right now. They have, uh, they have, listen, they're fixing brains now. And I don't know if you ought to be scared to death, but I think when they start fixing brains, we're in trouble. <laughs> okay. But they're actually, that was the news of this last week. They have the technology now to take and to rewire your brain and make people who are handicapped or paraplegic make their bodies work again. And, uh, and so you can say, see, we can heal ears and we can heal eyes and we can heal brains. And please take this the right way. They don't look like ears. You know what the Bible says? It's never been seen that a man was born blind and then they were given sight again. Meaning, their eyes work just like God designed them to work. I'm sorry. How many of y'all think those who were lame and couldn't walk, after they got up and said, hey, I can walk. I can walk. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> I think they were jumping and leaping and, whoo, look, it can walk. Amen. I can see. I don't think he had 20-40 vision. I'm not trying to insult anybody here with 20-40 vision. 
<laughs> Folks, it's never been seen this way. Can I just tell you, you know what he's saying? He gave clear evidence. He gave, it's never even been said that somebody could take and do that. And the conclusion was obvious. Look at verse 33. Verse 33, the Bible says this. It says, if this man were not of God, he could do nothing. You know, he said, the obvious conclusion is this man is at the very least sent from God. Later, he also claims to be the son of God, okay? But my whole point is this. The evidence needs to be clear. Now, what evidence does God give us today so that, so that mankind can be if you will, can make the necessary and unmistakable choice to come into a believing relationship with Jesus as their Savior. And I'm thinking about this, and it's everywhere, okay? And for one thing, it's, it's, it's creation itself, okay? Now, I don't know if you guys understand evolution, but evolution is you start off as a glob and you add something. And then you keep going as a glob with something and you add something else. And you do enough of those glob somethings, <laughs> pretty soon you can fly. The only problem is, folks, if an eye doesn't work completely, it doesn't work at all. And so how can it evolve if it didn't work, didn't work, didn't work, didn't work, didn't work, didn't work, all of a sudden it works? You all understand? And folks... The world that we live in is so complex that it has to have a designer. It, it, I, I, I had a miracle this week. I was carrying a box of nails, and I dropped them, and I found this. Huh? I don't know. Loan me a watch. I don't care. This is this still start my truck. I dropped a box of nails and this happened. Y'all with me? Y'all think that's nonsense? Some of you are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> More than one of you were talking about that. <laughs> Folks, we walk into a world and somebody says, Well, that sun just happens to be the right size and the right heat and the right distance to keep from burning us up and to provide perfect life. By the way, the moon is up there the right size, the right distance to create waves and wind to make it so that the earth works. Amen. And, uh, and, and, and you could take and you could go through so many of those things and somehow this intricate machine is perfectly tuned for life that God has. And people walk around and say, I wonder how this evolved when you would never say, I wonder how he got that from a box of nails. Huh? Okay. <laughs> Go with me now. Because <laughs> it's stupid to think, well, this just happened. No, it took some pretty... Hey, how many of y'all remember what phones used to be? Huh? <laughs> any of y'all have the phone with no dial on it? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You pick it up and you listen for a minute, right? <laughs> and then you ask somebody to connect you. Come on now. It's a little different than it is now. Oh, yeah, I'm losing you here. I'm losing you here. My whole point is this, guys, is we are so much more complex than that. 
And everywhere you go, you have to say, only God could have done that. Only God could have done that. And by the way, the Bible tells us in, in Psalm chapter 19 that the evidence that God created is everywhere. You can't get away from it. We went down to Roaring River this last week, and, and just for fun, you know, we're with young people. So I said, hey, if you keep your eyes open, you might be able to find some fossils. And so they did. They kept their eyes open. They looked down, and they, they found some fossils, and, and uh, mostly shells. And we, we found some other stuff. But anyhow, uh, kind of neat. I don't know about you, it's kind of neat. And you know how you make a fossil? Is something dies, and over millions of years, dust layers. The only problem is, the only problem is, how many of y'all have seen anything two weeks old that was alive? And it's puffed up, and it's green, and it smells, and it doesn't taste good when you cook it? You guys are really losing the jokes today. Sorry. <laughs> Folks, anything that lays on top of the ground for very long rots and corrupts and dies and breaks. Come on now. It doesn't make a beautiful shell impression in a rock because those things happen very fast because that's the second evidence that's all around us is the fact God said there was a flood. And everywhere you go, you take and you look at the flood and you go, what, a, what kind of flood? And I want you to know that every people group that I know of, uh, there might be someone out there that's still looking for them, okay? But every people group that I know of has a creation tradition and a flood tradition. And you know why they have a creation tradition and a flood tradition? It's because there was a day of creation and there was a flood. And God said, look at the evidence. Look at the evidence. And some people say, there's no God. Matter is eternal. And others look around and say, there is a God. God is eternal. And they're looking at the same evidence. And it's really more of their, what's the word I'm looking for? Their prejudice, their, the way they set their mind, if you will. I want you to think the Bible not only says that there's the evidence of creation, the evidence of the flood, there's also spiritual evidence. We look at this a lot, but I want you to look at it again. Go to Romans chapter 1, please. Romans chapter 1, look at verse 18. The Bible says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in... You know what he's saying is, I told them the truth, but they refused to believe the truth. Come on now. I gave them the evidence that they needed to make a right decision. And they refuse to believe it. That's what that's saying right there. Verse 9. Because that which may be known of God is... What's the Bible say there? Come on now. Are you all with me? Romans chapter 1 verse 19. That which may be known of God is... Manifest in them for God has showed it unto them. Mean it's been perfectly revealed and they understood it. Amen? The Bible says... Uh, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. We just talked about that. Even his eternal power and Godhead, meaning there's no way this just happened. It had to be a super intelligent, super powerful being. And by the way, he is all intelligent and he is all powerful. And the Bible says it's clearly seen. But some people refuse to see. 
Folks, I want you to think about this. But whenever they found out about that man who had, had uh, received his sight, I mean, they're, they're going, did, you, did he really, uh, was he really born blind? They, they took and they found the parents. They said, was he really born blind? And they said, anybody who confessed Christ was going to get thrown out of the synagogue. And so his parents, out of fear, said, we don't know, but he's a, he's a grown man. Go ask him. That's what it says in our text. By the way, his parents didn't believe isn't that sad? How many of y'all would be sad if your child was born blind and one day he comes, Dad, I can see. How many of y'all would want to believe in the God who did that for you? And yet they said, we don't want to get thrown out of the synagogue because anybody who confesses Christ is getting booted. Why? Because we don't allow people to believe things we don't believe. By the way, do we live in a world like that today? Amen. And they come and they ask him and they said, he said, uh, who healed you? He said, I don't know. He goes, well, what do you know? He says, I know I was born blind, and now I see. Amen. By the way, right after that, Jesus says, uh, you know, who healed you? He says, I don't know. He says, I healed you. Right? Paraphrasing. Amen. He, 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 he knew the Son of God, folks. He became a believer. By the way, he became a believer before he saw Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so we see that God gives evidence on purpose. You know, I want you to know there's no place you can get away from the evidence. We already talked about that. There's no place on earth you can get. Every culture has these traditions because it happened and it is true. And, of course, we have the perfect and pure, uh, if you will, account of it. Now, the second thing I want you to see about evidence is God's evidence requires a willingness to believe. You know, in verse 3, we see the blind man was willing to believe that Jesus could do a miracle in his life. He asked him, he says, do you want to see? Absolutely, I want to see. Amen. And so Jesus did his work. I want you to think about this. It's kind of fun to, to think about this because I've, I've often asked this question, why did he spit in the ground? Okay. And why did he make mud? And the Bible says he anointed his eyes. And that's a little bit different word than like when you anoint with oil because it pours and it comes down. This one literally means he covered his eyes or he, he kind of, he, he, he took and he spit in the ground and then he, he covered his eyes with mud. That's what the word anoint means, okay? And so he took and he, he covered his eyes with mud and then he says, go to a, uh, a pool called Siloam, which means sent, okay? And so he sent him to a place. In a sense, this, if you want to see, go wash your eyes in that pool. If you want to stay here forever, don't eat from that tree, is it the same thing? If you want everlasting life, trust me. Okay? The Bible says, all that come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. You mean I can do any kind of wicked thing? If I just trust you for salvation, I can go to heaven? That's exactly what I mean, because that's what I said. Amen? And so notice, if you will, Jesus did this wonderful work. I, I asked that question. I wonder why he spit on the ground. And all I can think of this is this. Is in chapter... One, and then chapter two of the book of Genesis, the Bible says he created everything on the sixth day, and on the seventh day he rested from all his labor, creation. Jesus didn't create any more after the sixth day. Y'all with me? So could Jesus have walked up and said, I'm just going to recreate your eye? He could have because he's God. But he won't because he can't violate his own book. And he said, I'm done creating after the sixth day. 
There's a book called The Gospel of Thomas. It's called a pseudopigrapha. It's an interesting word. That means false writings. I don't know why you'd read it. Amen? And it has a story of Jesus who's playing in a mud puddle, and just for fun, he throws them up in the air, and they turn into birds. Well, folks, that would be creation. That's nonsense. And we know it's nonsense because he's done creating on the sixth day. So, folks, he doesn't create after the sixth day. But you know what he can do? He can recreate. He can recreate. He can make us so that we're born again. Y'all with me? And I think, honestly, what he did is he says, I can make that eye new. And just like when he formed man of the dust of the ground and he breathed into it, the breath of life, I think it's kind of a picture. It's the only way I can get my mind around it, that he took dust and he took his mouth, amen, and he salved the eyes and he says, go wash it. And when he went and he washed, the Bible says he came seeing. And please take this the right way. I don't think it was the spit. I don't think it was the soil. I don't even think it was the washing. I think it was the faith. Amen. Jesus said, if you want to see, go wash it off. Amen. And so if you will, by the way, how many of y'all, if somebody spit, I'm not trying to be clever. Somebody spit in the soil and put something on your, how many of y'all would want to go wash your eyes? All right. But he wasn't going to get clean. He was going to get his sight. Y'all understand? My whole point in saying that is, folks, God will do all he can to make you want to get saved. Anybody here remember how miserable you were before you got saved? Amen? And you say, oh, it was just terrible, but boy, wasn't it wonderful after? Think about how wonderful it was after he washed his eyes and he came back seeing it doesn't really talk about it, but I've got to be honest with you, I think he was pretty happy. How about you, amen? Probably why it drew such a crowd. And so, if you will, the Bible says in verse 7 that, the, that the, the man obeyed and he came seeing. Is salvation obeying a command from God? Answer the question, is salvation obeying a command from God? There's a very famous statement that Jesus made to a man named Nicodemus. Remember what he said? He said, ye must be born again and he couldn't understand it god had to explain it to him by the way he did come to a saving knowledge of jesus christ amen and so he did become born again amen Uh, take this the right way god's given you a command today too believe on him whom i have sent you remember that's exactly what the philippian jailer did when he came in trembling he said men and brethren what must i do to be saved and, and, and the Apostle Paul, he said, believe on him whom he has sent. Amen. What do I got to do to be saved? Believe on Jesus Christ. And the Bible says they preached. He said, not only did I save you, I'll save your whole house. Meaning what? He preached Jesus Christ and the whole house believed. The whole house got baptized. The whole house got saved. Amen. Uh, how important is it for a person to get saved? Folks, listen to me now. preached it a couple weeks ago from faith to faith folks salvation is personal but it impacts your whole family when you look at countries that they're dark there's no gospel they're enemies of the word of God 
And all that started one day when one person made a choice saying, I will not believe the evidence. And so you know what happened? The kids grew up saying, we will not believe the evidence. Come on now, amen. And folks, we're getting in a world today where more and more people are coming out on the side of we will not believe the evidence. We want to believe in millions of years and blowing things up and, by the way, all kinds of stuff that is total nonsense. Total nonsense. Because God gives the clear evidence and then he expects you to make the choice. Why do people make the wrong choice? Look at verse 16. In verse 16, the Bible says... Uh, Back in John 9, verse 16, it says, Therefore said some of the Pharisees, see this? This is a contest between the Pharisees. He says, uh, uh, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. By the way, isn't that crazy? Somebody gets their vision on the Sabbath day, and they're mad about it. Okay? And the Bible says, Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? Meaning this, and they saw it, they said... It's never been done before. By the way, is this a good thing? Is it okay, even in the Bible, to help a man take an ox out of a ditch on the Sabbath day? It is. And so even God in the Old Testament acknowledges it is okay to do something good for somebody on the Sabbath day. Amen. And that's all Jesus is doing, is doing something good for somebody on the Sabbath day. He didn't even tell him to take up his mat and walk. Amen. And so if you will... The Bible says that there was a division there. Why? Go to verse 28. The Bible tells you. Verse 28, the Bible says, Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. Now, a lot of times we pick on people who go to university. But I'll tell you this, it affects people in seminaries too. How many of y'all have ever heard the term cemetery for seminary? Okay. And the reason is because it's a good place for good men to die. And the reason for that is, is a lot of guys go to seminary and guys with PhDs and doctors of divinity and all the other titles come in there and they say, well, I'm not really, I don't really believe this. I, and they become a higher authority than the word of God. By the way, I think, yeah, I just read the word of God and believe it. Well, I don't believe this and I don't believe that and I don't believe that thing. And somebody says, hey, doctor, so-and-so doesn't believe it, so I'm not going to believe it. Well, the problem with that is doctor so-and-so has got an agenda. Why? I'll tell you why. And, and here's one way. Guys like me write books this thick. Not because we only know small words. <laughs> Guys who know they're lying write books like this. Why? Because you've got to put enough confusion in there so somebody goes, well, it was a big book. It must make sense. Amen? And literally, they're saying, we're going to be... We're, we're followers of Moses' law. No, you're not. You're followers of tradition. You're followers of your interpretation. You're followers of your, what's it, Torah and Talmud and all that stuff. Amen? Instead of believing the Bible, they believe Dr. So-and-so's interpretation of the Bible. Amen? Because it's okay to heal on the Sabbath day. Amen? But not the way Dr. So-and-so understands it. Folks, they have a motivation they're worried about what Dr. So-and-so thinks of them. Amen? Let me ask you this. Do people ever worry about what their friends and family think of them? Well, I can't get saved. Why? Because my family will think I lost my mind. Anybody ever heard that one? Amen? And you see people that would rather go to hell 
that offend some slight to their family. I'll share this testimony because it's been a while, but when I first became pastor here, hadn't had the opportunity to lead anybody to the Lord yet, okay? And the first young man that I had opportunity to lead to the Lord, he says, I want you to come home and do a Bible study uh, and, uh, with my mom. And I said, okay. I said, I'd be glad to do it. And uh, we went, we did the Bible study with his mom. And she said, oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, that's, and please, she was raised Catholic. Not that that's important. She was raised Catholic. And I said, she said, I said, do you know you're a sinner? She said, yes. I said, do you realize Jesus alone is the only Savior? Yes. Do you realize all you have to do to get saved is to call on Jesus Christ and he'll save your soul? Yes. I said, would you like to get saved? How many of you all think I've set the table? She's ready, right? She says, no. I said, ma'am, you, you understand you're lost. The, the, the wages of sin is death and hell. That Jesus paid the price for your sin on the cross of Calvary and is now offering you salvation as a free gift. You don't have to do anything. You just got to accept it. Do you understand that? Yes. I said, then why don't you get saved? She says, because if I get saved, I'm going to have to apologize to every one of my relatives in that graveyard. And she pointed to the graveyard across the street. Most heartbreaking thing I've ever seen. Because she said, I don't want to offend my dead relatives. We live in a world full of people just like that. That don't want to offend some dead person. And they see very clearly the evidence that Jesus Christ is God and that he loves them. And all they have to do is trust him. And they can be saved. But they won't because they're worried about this or that or another thing. Please take this the right way. I'm hoping everybody in here is saved. But folks in a group this big, I don't care if you're a church member. It's possible you're lost. It's possible. And you'd rather sit in here worried what people would think about you if you finally walked this aisle. Well, I thought you were saved. By the way, how many of y'all be mad at somebody if they pretended to be saved for so long. I wouldn't. I'd be so thankful that they finally got saved. Amen. Don't tell me about your church attendance and don't tell me about your baptism. Don't tell me about the family you were raised in. Tell me about the day that you looked at the evidence and you realized you were lost without Christ and you can't think of the day or the time where you trusted him. And you thought, well, I'm a disciple of this or I'm a disciple of that. Can I just tell you, the Bible says that many Pharisees believed. It tells us that in Acts chapter 15. Many Pharisees believed. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Because even the enemies of God listened to the evidence and they said, no man ever spake like this. Nobody from the beginning of time was ever able to heal eyes. I'm going to put my faith in him. Now, did they struggle? They struggled. Acts 15 is because they're struggling. <laughs> but you know what they did do? They got saved. They believed the evidence. There's one thing I want to make a distinction. I'll be done. Why doesn't God just give us proof? Could God prove that he's God? Absolutely. But without faith, it is impossible. Yes. And God says this, 
you're going to have to trust me. Now, I've given you all the evidence you need. I've given you all the evidence that you need. You are without excuse. Is that what the Bible says? Okay. So when somebody comes and says, well, you, I, you just didn't make it clear to me. The Bible says, Romans chapter 1, no, no, you had enough evidence. You could look at the creation. You could look at the flood. And you know, even in your spirit, amen. Friend, I, I don't know. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let today be a day of salvation. And folks, this world, you can't prove to them Jesus lives. But I tell you what, you can give them evidence. You know, one of the best evidences is I was lost, but now I'm saved. I was a wicked man, but one day God convicted my soul, and I received him as my Savior, and I was born again, and my life is totally new. And they said, well, I don't believe it. Well, you didn't know me back then. But I'm telling you, this is the evidence that God saves. Friend, if you're here and you don't know Christ is your Savior, today's the day. Maybe you got somebody you want to pray for. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. God's moved in your heart in any way. This is his invitation. You come as we say, we're going to sing number 125. Number 125. Please, please don't leave here lost.